Step inside these hallowed halls of the Red Light Library, where us librarians review short erotica. It gets the short end of the stick when it comes to criticism and review because, well, in the end, it's porn. This podcast reviews adult content that has frank discussions of sexual content, adult language, and, well, basically anything under the sun that certain publishing houses will allow. If that's something you can't legally listen to or don't want to listen to, back out now. Welcome back, dear patron, to the Red Light Library. I'm your host, Jared, joined by Diane. (laughs) Why, hello there. (laughs) How are you doing, Diane, on this fine transatlantic evening? Why, I'm quite well, Jared. How are you? I'm doing well, except for the snow, and it makes me want to die. Uh, much like snow and this story, it also makes me want to die. What are we reading today, Diane? Well, Jared, today we are reading Winter's Kiss, an erotica, erotic fairy tale short book one, J.P. Uval, and... I'll be quite frank with you, I don't know how this ended up in the library. (laughs) I was going to ask you about that, actually, because you brought this um, to our literal and figurative library uh, staff table, so I wanted to know where it came from. Well, I believe, and this is all hearsay at the moment, because I wasn't the one who put it in the stack, but I think it was dropped through the mail slot. Oh. And then someone, someone, it wasn't me, it might have been an intern somewhere, or maybe it was a guest, put it in the fantasy section. Well. And then I I was hmm. looking for some winter-themed erotica to match the snow outside, and I found this, and I thought, oh, isn't this lovely? And I was so wrong. Well, I mean, considering we don't have interns, I assume it might have been them. Well, but you have a very good point, Diane. Um, <laughs> on the cover, it looks quite blue, cheerful. Um, what do you think about this cover? Uh, it's very um. Oh, what you say, young adult uh, paranormal romance novel? Yes. Yes, it is very... It's one of the more well-photoshopped covers I think we've ever had, actually. It's... A lot of work was into this, I see. Yes. A winter snow scene, and there's a woman in a fur coat who looks regal. She's got the Audrey Hepburn, like, Breakfast at Tiffany's bun going. Yes, has her pompadour, sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's it's that very... marriage couple in the back. Yeah, uh, there's a beautiful iron like balustrade is that what you call Mm -hmm. it it's very very dramatic and beautiful looking and so once again you can see how you're fooled by a cover because this looks Mm -hmm. very romantic and it is advertised as an erotica and as a fairy tale erotica so well we might as well tell you now patrons it's this is not an erotica no not really no (laughs) where do we start diane So, I'm going to just read the first paragraph, patrons. Chapter 1. Winter. Milkpan-sized crystals delicately fall from the sky. Their unique patterns dance across my skin, reminding me of diamonds as they shimmer. An unattainable beauty. 
If a soul is lucky enough, they might experience their extraordinary grace for a moment or two. Most people might disagree with me that winter is the best season of the year, but if they only knew the truth, maybe they would think differently. It's a time misunderstood. I've known ever since etching my first snow angel. Now I can't help but appreciate its vulnerable nature, especially when the light hits the white powder. It bounces around the ice crystals and the colors in the spectrum combined in equal measure. White is all we see, but the individual ice crystals are translucent. Well, we start with a few um, notices about the uh, format of the book. The the book is in chapters. Uh, The book itself is a, mm, I guess you'd call it a, well, it's, referred to as a novella in some sense but it's it's really it's a it's a long story it's about 45 50 pages and it's split into chapters and the chapters alternate uh first person views of the two protagonists who are the princess winter fitting name and, and prince esteban and prince esteban <sighs> oh and it's set in france Curiously, a fantasy France, <laughs> fantasy medieval, anachronistic France, anachronistic, uh, anachronist, you know, feudalist France. I guess it's. I don't know. It's it's very strange. Just call it fantasy France the way that I call a Pocahontas fantasy America. Yeah. So. Winter is excited. Winter is excited because tomorrow is the winter's ball that all of the uh, founding nations, so various kingdoms from across the the region, have decided that uh, this kingdom, uh, Winter's kingdom, will host this ball. Uh, And it's kind of a diplomatic thing where everybody's getting together, but it's also a kind of this uh, accession pageant because winter will soon be queen so she's she and other people are looking to get hitched and form more diplomatic relations and various other things and winter's like so excited she's like am i gonna find my prince and am i gonna fall madly in love and i'm mm, so excited i was very excited at this point because um at this moment at the very beginning i was kind of like oh i like winter she seems to be excited and Just like a very romantic, dreamy young woman who's like, I finally get to meet a bunch of boys. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. And well, gosh, the author sure destroyed that quickly. (laughs) Like all my goodwill. (laughs) Winter and Esteban may well be the most thoroughly unlikable and unsympathetic protagonists I have ever experienced in an erotica. Yes, they... In erotica, if you kind of want to see people get down, you want to see them bone. Like, you really do. And that's part of the appeal. You have to like your protagonists, and you just, you can't like these people. Well, I mean, you can have kind of nasty people. You can have kind of, you know, it plays into it, but it's... You have to be, like, on their side. These people are so pretentious. Uh, I I made a couple notes on there, on here. One of the things, it's uh, Winter is pretty much in enjoying herself, and then she gets called in by her evil stepmother. It literally says that. Yeah. My, 
and Winter, my evil stepmother. Yes. Hildred. And, calls from the terrace. Yeah, and my note was like, if I had the name Hildred, I'd be evil too. That just dooms you to a life of bitterness. Okay, I want to like point out Estevan St. Clair, Winter Belafonte, Hildred. It's like, uh, you're, you're making this very obvious. This is some like Victorian, like the blood tells kind of shit, like right here, honestly. Like, this woman grew up named hildred of course she's gonna turn out evil like in this fairy tale world that's a death wish did a witch name her the curse was the name yes clearly it's like all your life you're gonna be named hildred and this will fill you with anger and bitterness and there was other stuff too because it keeps going and it gets it's like the white names now where it's like i'm gonna name my aiden brayden caden i'm gonna name my uh (laughs) daughter like kaylee but it's got 40 vowels in it (laughs) yeah there's this one point because uh pretty much winter gets called up by her stepmother who hildred who is an evil hag and no one likes her she's she's the queen until winter becomes queen she calls Winter up to like the bedrooms, chambers, because her winter ball gown has arrived. And it's this one line where Winter says, I am a constant reminder she's an old hag no one wants to touch unless it's with a lance knights use during a tourney. Yep. This is the thing. It's um competition between stepmother and stepdaughter is very common in fairy tales and the stepmother is jealous of the daughter's charm and beauty blah 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 of fears being replaced but this is our protagonist and she's so mean it's like it's very well it's not only there is she's petty yeah she's petulant yes she she's kind of like yeah i'm hot and you're an old hag like yeah she's like and she's like i'm hot and you know it uh, and I'm and sh- and I'm gonna literally have you exiled the instant I become queen. It's just like you don't want to see this character get. You don't want to see this character fuck. Like they're deeply unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, and she talks about how I'm so intelligent and so beautiful. I'm the most beautiful woman in the kingdom and everything. And it's just wow. You're you're sure sure think highly of yourself, Winter. And this is not seen as a bad thing at all. It's just, it's winter, so obviously, of course, she's perfect. Um, mm-hmm. and here's something that she does that just goes... Ex- and it's not mentioned how old. Yeah, not at all. The characters are, I, I assume they were, like, 20s. But, like, this could be set up to be, like, 17 turning 18 sort of deal. I don't know. Yeah, it's no idea what the age of majority is in this. It's fantasy France. One of the things Winter does, because she's in this constant petty war with her stepmother, is that she uh, pretty much gets a bunch of snow under like the hem of her dress and everything and tracks in snow and mud and muck into the palace when she goes up to see her stepmother. And she just drags it all over and t- pretty much all the servants have to clean it up. And she's like... I feel guilty doing this to them, and I will make it up to them later with extra rations. It's like, no, you're drawing in innocent people into your petty feud, and you think that it's okay. Mm-hmm. So this is all just to illustrate 
Winter is not a good person, but the text portrays her as angelic and perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's... Now, we're going to get to... Now, lest you think that, like, this is all petty teenager, like, Oh, Mom, you, you're going to ruin my chance at the ball! You know, that's there's my teenage girl voice, I guess. Um, <laughs> Mom! <laughs> ah! I, I sound... I sound like an 80s cartoon villain. <laughs> ah, He-Man! Ah, I'm your stepmother! Um, so, oh, that would have been a beautiful episode. Oh, that would but, be great. Uh, it's, everyone's horrible. Everybody's horrible. But unless you think that this is just like, you know, a petulant, feisty teenager, it we actually get into uh, later in the story how Hildred has literally traumatized this princess because we'll, we'll just say it hildred has apparently had a long history of torturing this girl including like putting spiders in her food yeah just like tiny things to mess with her so it's hildred is not a good person mm-hmm. and neither is winter but hildred has abused this girl and like mentally physically I mean, yeah, spiders and food is physical abuse. It just, like, messed with her for years. And so there is, like, this huge gulf between them. There was... I mean, this story has 50 pages. I wish that had been touched on more, because as we'll get into it, that's really the only evidence that we're given that Hildred is a bad person uh, until the very end. Yeah, that's it. So I wish more had been done with that. But anyway, uh, so Winter goes to see her stepmother and see her gorgeous, you know, winter ball gown. And then she also meets her best friend. Zana. They both go and they're both kind of like silently freaking out, thinking like, oh, no, did Hildred mess up the ball gown? And that it's no, she didn't. It's perfect. Everything's perfect. Uh, Hildred and Winter have this moment where it's almost like they're trying to be nice to each other and then it's like okay nice time's over (laughs) but uh everything works out and winter is super hot in her dress like she's so gorgeous it fits perfectly she's beautiful she's the most beautiful woman to ever exist hildred like shoes zana out of the way zana is the lady in waiting to winter and her best friend and Winters says, it makes my blood boil when she treats our people with such disrespect, says the girl who dragged in all that snow for the servants to clean just to get a one-off win mm-hmm. against her stepmother. Oh, Diane, I finally, I mean, I should have thought of this much earlier, but now I know why I don't like these characters. Mm-hmm. I've, I've put my finger on the uh, exact quality. They're privileged assholes. <gasps> You're quite right. Eat the rich. Eat the rich. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why I don't like them. Um, I mean, they're basically like, I'm better than you. Oh, I love my people. But I'm still better than you. Um, yes. It's like, she's, oh, it's my Regina people, George. I will feed you more. <laughs> it is. Wouldn't it have been funny if it was like, Winter was the one orchestrating everything horrible? That would have been so great. She has her little burn book. Oh, man. Uh, oh, man, that would have been amazing. She's the real mm-hmm. villain. She's she's the sorceress at the end. We pretty much, we end up, end off the first chapter with 
they go their separate ways and then winter hears hildred like shrieking because she stepped in a puddle of snow Mm -hmm. and and that's the end of chapter one and we go to our hero our other protagonist estevan saint clair we meet estevan 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 this is our first introduction to estevan with all due respect, father, I believe this alliance with King Balavar is a mistake. Has it slipped your mind that the last coalition he formed ended in a devastating war amongst the founding nations? The man cannot be trusted. I regret doing that accent. Boiling with fury, I ground my teeth, clenching my jaw so hard it hurt. The last bit of respect I do hold for the man who raised me evaporates. My fists pound against the wooden table, the impact stunning our advisors. They shift uncomfortably in their seats. Darkness crossed his eyes, his lips twisting into a sneer as he points an authoritative finger at my face. <laughs> so this is Esteban. <laughs> I did I did make a note. Tent shifts and all. Yes. It's so um it's very pretentious and everything. Uh, very formal, formal. Um, but I made a note with the pounding his fist on the table. Uh, my note was, this is how we know Estevan is a manly man because he hits things with his fists. Mm-hmm. So he, he's super manly, guys. He's, he's a strong man and his father is weak. Because men uh, are clearly measured in terms of uh, their anger. Yes, which exactly. Which has, you know, obviously worked out really great for centuries, huh? Um, oh, yes. Anger and manliness. Toxic masculinity, y'all. Esteban, it's a, he has a horrible father, but his dead mother is saintly and wonderful. And uh, mother would be turning in her grave right now if she knew the coward you've become. Mm-hmm. She would never let this happen to her people, her kingdom. And of course, the, the father was like, oh, she's a, she was a weak-hearted doormat, and she's dumb. So, so we know he's evil because, you know, he said bad things about sa- saintly mommy. Mm-hmm. And of course, Esteban's like, mother was a wise woman. The only mistake she ever made was agreeing to rule by your side. You're nothing but a desperate and deceitful bastard who doesn't know the difference between night and day. And like, the king, his father, slaps him, and he's like, get out, you ungrateful brat. Which like... It's like, I gave you life. (laughs) I mean, we're supposed to, like, hate the king. Yeah, but if you have your kid mouthing off at you like that. But I mean, if you're the king. In front of all the advisors. Yeah, like, like, this is the big diplomatic meeting talking about, like, possible, like, alliances with other kingdoms. And in front of all of your trusted advisors, in front of all the important, probably the the, uh, dignitaries in the kingdom... Uh, and your son ambassadors like all of that and your son's basically like calling you a desperate and deceitful bastard and a coward on some level i can't blame mr king man here yeah it's like being constantly undermined by your own son who clearly wants to depose you Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and then estevan he he gets mad and he storms out and he uh almost hits his friend in the face while he runs out lord cedric he's not really important he's just exists so that way you know that he has a friend too 
Estevan is stomping around and he's growling and snapping at everyone. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think he's also a werewolf? Ooh. Because <laughs> I, I think there is this measure of, oh, he's monstrous and beastly and manly because he deals with his problems with rage. But it was very much a, gosh, this is a lot of uh, animalistic traits to put on your hero. Is he a werewolf? <laughs> I think he's just got too much of a heaping helping of, like, toxic masculinity because he's kind of a shitty person. I, I think it's, it's like, you know, he gets told off by his father and he, like, goes and pouts and he's like, I'm going to go ride my horse. I'm, you can't tell me what to do. I'm the prince. And like, You could tell I'm a good person because I'm nice to my horse. <laughs> I'm nice to my horse, but my best friend Cedric... This is the line. Cedric is lucky he is my best friend or the door wouldn't have been the only thing that hit him in the face. You know, because I love my people so much, I'm going to punch them in the face when I'm angry at my dad. Yes, it's... Okay, Estevan. Like, right, great. Okay. Like, I, should, I should be glad that you have this much restraint. <laughs> now, to be fair, basically, without being told, his father, Estevan's father, uh, set up an alliance with King Balavar, and Balavar is a really nasty piece of work. So he basically like pitted different nations against each other um, in this horrible bloody war that ended up killing Winter's father. And, you know, so he could come out on top as like the ruling monarch or like the most powerful, kind of like Athens in the Dillian League. Exactly. He was arranging proxy wars with everyone else to weaken them and then mm -hmm. slowly from behind taking over. So uh, Esteban's father has set up an alliance with Balavar, and this alliance includes Esteban getting married to Gwendolyn Balavar. Of course, Esteban is not pleased with this arrangement because he, much like Winter, wants to fall in love. Or just, you know, not have his dad decide things for him. I think it's more the second than the latter. So he's angry and he's like, I'm gonna go ride my horse because I'm angry. I need time to think of... So he goes out to the stables and he's... And he goes and rides his horse and he does princely things. And... Yeah, pages and pages of description of, oh, he's, he's riding his horse. Oh, there's guards. Oh, he's being introspective about how much he hates his dad. And then he, uh, he hears a sound and he hears wing beats and... He sees a giant white bird with ice blue eyes. This is clearly a portent. It's a it's a magical burb. It's a frosty burb. Frosty bird, because he notices that there is a silver pattern around its left eye, like a sort of birthmark. And it's a it's a white hawk. And oh it's so it's so magical and beautiful. And th this comes back later in some random sort of way <laughs> but it, it's important that he saw this bird so uh estevan assumes it's a sign and you know finally rides back on his horse and lord cedric comes up and is like hey how are you doing and and cedric is holding a tiny white box in his hand oh oh this one this line where Estevan's, Estevan then says, how many times do I have to tell you I am not into men? And then everyone laughs. Oh, what a good joke, that kidder. Estevan. Estevan wants to make sure you, that everyone's aware. No homo. Also, how many times do I have to tell you? What does that mean? 
does that mean that like this is something Lord Cedric has brought up before? Is there is is there something on Lord Cedric's side? Is there wouldn't it have been a nice or interesting story if it's told was told from Cedric's perspective and he's just pining and then he meets some nice boy at the ball. Get, gets a nice boyfriend. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nope, it's all straight. No, um, it's all straight. It's, it's fantasy France. But I wonder, though, because there's, you know, the the line, how many times do I have to tell you, like, it could be that, like, many men fancy the prince. Or it could be Lord Cedric has, you know, made this a joke many times. It's a, Esteban loves boobs, guys. He loves boobs. Oh, we're gonna find. We're gonna actually find that out uh, very soon. Cedric gives the the box to Esteban after that super funny no homo joke. So good. Um, so funny. It's like oh, it's so funny. Ha, 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 ha. We're all really manly straight men in fantasy France. Fantasy France in this uh, fairy tale. Hi, King Sebastian. Maybe the cautionary part of this fairy tale is how toxic masculinity and uh, compulsory heterosexuality ruins relationships. <laughs> Possibly. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, so Cedric, he gets the, gives the box and says, oh, there was a new woman at court, new maiden, and she said that um, she's a friend of the princess that we're going to be visiting tomorrow, and she gave the box to us, uh, this to me, and said this would make a nice gift. Esteban's like, oh yeah, cool, who was it? And Cedric's like, I don't know, she just walked away, I don't know. Like, she was right right there, and it's like, I, I don't know, she, she was there, and she can't describe who, what she looks like, and she's just like, I, I swear I saw she's her. She vanished. And once again. And they don't look in the box. Yeah, they don't, they don't look in the box, they're just like, okay, box. Like, wouldn't this have been a great uh, way to, like, um, if it were, if I were Hildred and I wanted to get rid of my stepdaughter... I would have put something in that box and then sent it along because they're so dumb they would have given it to her. <laughs> Maybe a spider. Mm, a spider, yes. <laughs> chapter two ends. And Thank that's the end. God. And now we're on chapter three. Like, in the competition, uh, the competition of who is more unlikable, Esteban is currently winning. Esteban's winning because he's also boring. At least, like, Winter's sassy. Yes. Esteban's just like, I am a man. I am, you know, I do manly things. I ride horses. I pound tables. I like boobs. Like, that's that's all the substance there is to his character. And now we're at Winter, back to our other protagonist. And uh, she's dressed, dr- getting dressed at the Zana. She's looking at herself in the mirror and... Just loving how the fabric looks on her, on her dress, and that it's contouring every curve, and she looks so beautiful. And then she turns around, or she and she uh, opens like the door or something, and Zana walks in, and she's like, oh, "Zana, you look so beautiful." And she goes on to talk about how uh, Zana, growing up, was the ugly duckling, and that she had no boobs or butt, but but now she is a grown-up. She has put all their insults to rest because now she has a boob and a butt, so she's a real woman. Just one. I mean, like, of course Winter can't pass up the opportunity to say, like, oh, my best friend, the, the second most beautiful woman in the kingdom, she was really ugly. 
but now she's gotten better. So she's kind of, you know, worth standing beside me. It's like, thanks. Thanks, Winter. So Winter Winter is now, you know, like fantasizing, like, I'm going to be queen and it's going to be great and Hildred's going to be out. Here's the line. The one thing that I marked as a, I need to say it because this is one big positive I had and it was a description of Hildred. And I wish that this was expanded on more throughout the text. My stepmother enters from the other side of the room, her nose in the air, and her white and gold dress smothering the ground behind her. That use of the word smothering, that is good shit. Because it's... Um, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, it is a good way to show that she controls everything and suppresses everything and that she's just mm-hmm. slowly choking the life out of things. Like, that's amazing. If that had been expanded on, it's just, there is good in here. It's just, I've, I get so irritated with the characters that it's at the end, I'm like, I don't want to watch these two. I don't want them to have sex. Mm-mm. I don't like them. It's like, not even in a... And not in a, oh, I think they're good people way, because you can like despicable mm-hmm. people and I want to see what happens next. It's like, I don't like them and I don't want to know what happens next. They're just rich, spoiled brats. Yeah. It's like, you just want to put them in the timeout corner. Mm-hmm. And their parents. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fucking but... like, Zana and Lord F- Cedric should be the ones to rule the fucking kingdoms. Like, let's be real here. Yeah, they they seem nicer, more attentive to people and their needs. <laughs> so Winter gets through, you know, dinner, and then they kind of start getting to the ball, the ball proper. And um, Esteban and his crew are late, and he's like, gracious, he's running around the castle trying to find where, uh, you know, where the line is to meet the princess, and he finds it, and he jumps in line, and... And he's, like, stuck behind this guy, Prince Louis of Cambridge. And he's just like, ugh, what, why is this taking so long? Why is it taking so long? And um, he pretty much he's pushing his way through. And I guess everyone knows Estevan because he's an angry person. And they're like, oh, oh gosh, this guy's going to get in fistfights. Let's, let's get out of the way. Let's let him through, blah, blah, blah. And, um... And finally, he, he sees Winter, and she's just, she's so hot, guys. She's the most beautiful woman to ever woman. So this is this is Esteban's reaction to seeing Winter for the first time. Finally. I adjust the lapels in my suit as I step forward to greet the princess with a bow. But when our eyes link together without distraction, I can feel my heart seizing up in my chest. I have never encountered such a beauty, let alone one draped in crystal snowflakes from head to toe. Now you're like, okay... Like, all right. He's pretty fairy tale. In a pretty standard fairy tale, my gaze devours her curvaceous figure as I trail down to find her supple cleavage. I marvel the sheer size of her bounty, and a painful ache blooms in my cock, imagining what it would feel like to cup them in my hand, mold them to my satisfaction. This is the first mention of, like, anything sexual at all, and it comes out of left field. But then, like, it keeps going. Lash the tips of her nipples with my tongue until she is begging me to lick the rest of her body. One, I presume, is a delightfully sweet treat. It's like, okay, Esteban. It's like, all right, we get it. You're you're a tit man. We get it. (laughs) You're a horn dog. Like, okay, I get it that you're you're 
basic like uh <laughs> it's like i it, it, esteban just walks up and it's just like <gasps> boobs like that's basically his that's his reaction yeah he's just like he's just like intensely staring at her he's like that's oh, a nice pair of tits right there mm. Mm. Oh, her bounty bounty and he's and then he notices that she has sapphire blue eyes because of course she does and uh, they unknowingly bear her soul to me her longingness to be loved cherished and fucked into oblivion that that's Esteban is the most mansplaining bro I have ever encountered in erotica yes. and what's so terrible too is that it's so this would this would be really interesting if it was played with a bit where mm-hmm. have, where him thinking like a mansplainy thinking that oh she's gonna be so submissive and it would have been an interesting twist to see him being super macho and winter appearing like this delicate snowflake and then the roles switch and that he's the one who's submissive and she's the dominant one and it would also play into a lot of fairy tale themes of things not appearing as they're not being as they seem and I might be looking too deeply into this. That would have been really interesting. But that's not what we get. <laughs> no, I think it would have been an extremely um, good role reversal. I think it would have been a great uh, way of playing with the material. But uh, instead, we get them having been in each other's presence for 10 seconds. Uh, Estevan staring at her tits. And then he's like, he like, you know holds her hand to you know kiss her hand and he's like oh but i can't leave it at that so he starts like licking her hand this is why he must be a werewolf <laughs> he's a... <laughs> in public like i lightly swirl the tip of my tongue in a circle around across her pale skin and i'm like he's he's just he's licking her hand and like winter's into it she's like mm this hot this guy's hot he's licking my hand it's time like we are meant for each other yes, lick my creamy skin <laughs> that pretty much like sets the dynamic for the for the rest of the story basically like the two of them um now this might be a little silly to say uh considering this is an erotica but <laughs> this story struck me as so allosexual if that makes sense it sort of does. It's this thing where it's like, these people could not keep it in their pants to save their fucking lives. It's like a disease. It's like, oops, we're meant for each other. We've known each other for 15 seconds. He's licking my hand. We are inseparable. Our destinies are intertwined. Now, part of that is like, part of that is like the fairy tale, like very quick, like, you know, prince and princess while love and live happily A ever after but like love. i read this and i'm like straight people are you okay <laughs> what the fuck like it's immediate like we're in love and not just love but lust obviously i guess esteban's machismo is just so great that it's like it just that's it <laughs> they just they got to bone and she hasn't even seen him punch a thing yet <laughs> i know it's just this raw magnetism <laughs> and she's gonna cream her medieval panties the instant she sees him punch a door uh, all over her uh, creamy skin which by the way is there any phrase that's worse than creamy skin patrons 
you, you should uh, write in. Write in and tell us. Tweet at us and tell us uh, a tweet at us, please. We'll have our, <laughs> our socials at the end of the show. Please let us know if you can think of any uh, worse description of in an erotic, uh, I guess, a skin or body part. I don't know. That's a very dangerous introduction. Uh, just physical description. Yeah. Like, what kind of words and phrases just immediately turn you off, make you go, ah, nope, no more, because that's one for me. <laughs> anyway, so um, Esteban, like, licks her hand for, like, 15 minutes, and uh, the line, the people, he's like, there's a long line behind him, and they're like... <clears throat> And he's just like... Yeah, you can just imagine them shuffling foot to foot. Like, oh, well, I guess we'll just uh, wait out here in the cold. Um, nice, he's like... Nice night for an evening. I can't, I can't leave her like this. I, uh, I've got to I've gotta make sure she remembers me. So he's like, oh, there's a present. I brought her a present. That's right. So, like, she get Poison she get, spider. Poison spider. Poison spider. <laughs> and, um... And it's a poison spider, and she dies, and that's the end of the story. Um, Yay! If only, if only. uh, It's not, it's not. No, it's a necklace. Yes, it's a blue and white diamond necklace that's shaped like a snowflake. And uh, it's like the heart of the ocean, but instead of a giant heart, it's like a snowflake. Isn't that beautiful? It's a snowflake. It's a beautiful snowflake necklace. And he's like, oh, great, now I can... Now I can put it on her and take even more time. Yes, and Esteban get, uses this as an excuse to put the necklace on her, and it's very like, ooh, ooh, I get to touch the princess, and ooh, ooh, I, I'm so turned on and horny now. And like, and he's just... And Esteban basically is like, oh, this is forbidden. I am betrothed to Princess Gwendolyn, but... Dear God, I must have Princess Winter. How will I ever do? And like the line is like, "Buddy, could you move it along?" And finally, he's like, um, "Save me a dance, Princess." And you know, waltzes off to punch something, I guess. Yes. And he's like, "Oh, she totally wants me. She's so into me." And he's not wrong, unfortunately. Yes, I wish that he was. And then we get to chapter five with Winter again. And my heart stumbles to find its rhythm once again. Prince Estevan is a gem in a sea of diamonds. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I understand what it. I understand what it connotes. Yes, that he among like all these jewels, he is the finest of them. But I decided to. I know, but like he's a gem in a sea of diamonds. <laughs> yes. So he's a gem in a sea of gems. So he is no different from all the rest of the gross men. Yes. My note was that uh, Prince Estevan is a chunk of podrotite among the diamonds. He's a very, very rare gemstone now. Yes, I, I looked up rare gemstones. <laughs> oh, he's just... I hate him. Okay, anyway. Um... Winter now has to like wait in the line and greet all the other people while she's thinking about just... Oh, Prince Estevan, he's so handsome and manly and oh, so manly. And so she just has to get through it. And so she's finally like, I'm going to go dance. I'm going to dance. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And her and her stepmother's like, basically her stepmother pulls her aside and ruins everything. And Winter is horrified. And she's like, well, dear, this is Hildred. Well, dear, you know, why are you so out of breath? You have to remember, you're not the only eligible princess here. And Winter's like, 
how could you do this to me? Because Winter assumed that like she was the she was the hottest thing around. That this was all about her, and that all the princes were there to like court her. It's a balls don't work that way. Mm-mm. Balls don't work that way. If only we had said that about many erotica. Yes. <laughs> oh gosh, I wish, I wish balls didn't work that way sometimes, but um, it just it doesn't work like that because. Even just functional-wise, you can't have one woman in a sea of men because what all the, are all the other men going to do? Just stand around? I mean, unless you're Elizabeth I, like, that shit don't work. <laughs> yeah, it's, if you're going to have, a ball is a gigantic party and it's a chance for people to meet other people. If Hildred didn't do anything wrong, this is how things are supposed to work, but because this is Winter's perspective... It's a, oh, Hildred is evil, so everything Hildred does is wrong and mm-hmm. evil. And because Winter is good and perfect, that means that Winter is right. Mm-hmm. So Winter's like, okay, well, you know what? I'm I'm not going to let her get to me. And she's like, you call that in their competition? Which... Yeah, which is just so toxic. Women it's against women. femininity. Yeah, which, again, it's... Mm. Yeah, it's the whole, like, uh, well, I'm better than other women because i'm hotter and it's just Mm -hmm. this is not a contest it's also worth pointing out that like princess gwendolyn who we're gonna see is like shat on the whole story like she it's like she's just she's oh gosh you kind of feel bad like justice for gwendolyn i mean like she is kind of a shitty person because she's you know evil but Uh, it's the case of any other woman besides winter is either horrible or dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Winter goes off to look for Estevan, and she's like, he's mine, he's mine. She's going on a manhunt to get her her man. Mm-hmm. And she runs to Zana, and Zana's like, I, and Winter's like, I can't talk to you right now. I'm looking for Prince Estevan. She's like, oh, who? And she points out Estevan. She's like, oh, wow, he's hot. He's so hot. So I guess Estevan is just, like all the ladies love him he's you know he's the center of attention much like she's the center of attention and so she like you know sets off to the dance floor to try and like get to Estevan and then she gets interrupted flaring my nostrils I saunter over to them like a woman possessed but an arm wraps around my wrist and the next thing I know I am with Prince Louis on the dance floor he leads me into a twirl then grips my waist pulling me into him I've missed you princess can't say the feelings mutual isn't that sweet? My lips curve, but my smile doesn't reach my eyes. His hands linger to my lower back. Marry me. I. <sighs> Another sweeps me into his arms. The feel of his body pressed against mine brings up a familiar warmth. My heart gallops into my chest when I see his dark shadow roughing his jawline, his pearly white teeth through his captivating smile, his mesmerizing eyes dancing with mine. Princess Winter. He says my name on a whisper, and a spark shoots through my veins. Princess Devon. <laughs> so, women are meat in this world? I don't know if that... Yep, just gotta push the meat. <laughs> that's, that, that's, uh, Winter gets manhandled constantly, and... I guess she's okay with that because Estev- when Estevan does it, it's fine. Oh, yeah, no. Here's the thing. They have known each other for like two minutes. And they've already decided that 
because they're the like basically just based on looks alone like this is a romeo and juliet eric and ariel sort of like romance where it's like they're young kids who are like oh that's the hottest one that's the one i want yes and they're like we're inseparable we are our destinies are intertwined and so his sexy smile makes my cheeks heat i love and hate how my body responds to him Unable to resist his charm, I allow myself to melt into him, lay my head on his shoulders as the orchestra plays a slower song. And so, you know, they're dancing, and oh, it's so romantic. And then Hildred interrupts them. Yes, here to ruin the fun. She introduces uh, Prince Estevan's fiancée, Princess Gwendolyn. She, she introduces him, and then winter runs out crying because she's like oh the man i love is engaged and he was playing with me served another crushing blow all my hopes evaporate and i don't bother to say a word i run tears pooling from my eyes winter i hear estevan scream after me with hundreds of stunned eyes on me I know. I don't stop until I reach the garden maze, where I can be alone with my thoughts. I lean against a towering bush, starving for air. I pray I'm having a nightmare, hoping that all I have ever dreamt of wasn't just taken right from under me by her, Gwendolyn. Because it's her fault. It's Gwendolyn's fault. Yes, it's Gwendolyn's fault that she's in an arranged marriage. That's that's all on Gwendolyn. Why hadn't he said something before? The sense of betrayal doubles me over on my knees. My chest constricts so tight I can't reel in any air. Swaying away from the bush, I dizzily walk down the snow-dusted cobblestone path. The sky is dying like my heart, vanishing behind the tall-trimmed hedges. With my head down, I aimlessly travel through the maze, not caring if I ever find my way out. Let me say that that passage was actually really well written, but it solidifies ex- everything that I hate about the characters. Yeah, it's so, so overdramatic and just kind of a play it cool, play it cool. <laughs> As Esteban goes out to confront her and she, pretty much they, they end up just like yelling at each other. of, oh, But I love you. Oh, but it can never be. Oh, but I love you. But it can never be. And they, they all leave unhappy. <laughs> Except for Zana. Zana, except for Zana. But, like, Zana finds a man. It's Cedric! And, but, like, they have known each other for, like, two minutes. And they're like, you lied to me! How could you not tell me you have a fiancé? And it's like, but I love you! We're destined to be together! And you're just, like, children. <laughs> Can we call Super Nanny? Is it too late? It's too like, late. It's too late. It's that, I guess that's what happens when you're, um... And your par- saintly parents are dead, and you're raised by bad people. <laughs> now, there are a handful of moments where Winter has some autonomy, and I appreciate those greatly because they stand in sharp contrast to how Esteban perceives her. Esteban says, my God, can you blame me? I mean, look at you. You're irresistible with your curvy hips and sultry red lips. And then Winter responds, so this, you not telling me about your fiance, Gwendolyn Balavar, of all people, and you coming on to me is my fault? I stab my fingers into his chest. Ha, ha, ha. It's like, oh, it's so good when she has that moment. 
It, it doesn't last, my friends. It does not Unfortunately. last. Unfortunately. Now, here's another thing. Like, he's, like, got his hard dick up against her back. And uh, and she's like, okay, uh, asshole, like, I'm done. So she, like, slaps him. And then he picks her up to prevent her from going. Yeah, he will not let her leave, which, big red flag. Mm-hmm. And finally she, like, gets away and she gets to... Uh, like her bedroom and she's you know so sad and she's she's like she's head over heels for this guy and she you know late at night she hears a knock on her door and she's like oh it's probably zana here ask me what it is nope it's not zana guess who guess who esteban who can't leave her alone (laughs) and he sneaks snuck past the guards got into her private bedchamber to go and have a talk and pretty much because winter is just so in love with this handsome man she mm-hmm. just does like okay fine let's talk and she's just like uh gwendolyn's that bitch how dare she have my man and like and nothing happens in this uh, nothing, nothing happens because nothing really happens basically um Estevan tries to bait her into well one he tries to seduce her because he's like I'm just gonna sit I'm just gonna sit on her bed like come over here winter and sit on the bed with me and it's funny because she sat in a rocking chair that belonged to her mother and she's like maybe my mother's strength will like prevent me from like jumping his bones and so he's like come sit on the bed with me and she just like stood up and like picked the rocking chair up and brought it closer to him and sat back down in the rocking chair <laughs> but um and so two things happen that as as has two motives one he wants to fuck her and two he wants to test whether she actually loves him which is one really weird and unfair but he's he's not telling her that the uh arranged marriage was because of diplomacy basically because of an alliance with balavar and his father's kingdom and so like if he you know uh gets out of the arranged marriage or you know they elope or whatever uh it could mean war and it could destroy their kingdoms but he wants to see whether winter really loves him for him so he's like you know will you will you uh commit to this you know will we be together to the end she's like fuck no dude like this is ridiculous like, this is not a thing that can happen. Like, get the fuck out of my room. If he had communicated, this would be so much easier and we would have a shorter book because he would, he would be able to say, this is what's going on. This is what I suspect. And, you know, that would be the nice thing to do because she's going to be a queen also. And if you want to mm-hmm. have, if, if things don't even work out, you want to, like, make nice with your neighbors and have, like, a good alliance. <laughs> so it's just, it's Esteban being a bad person and a bad king. I mean, prince at the moment but so winter like basically throws him out and he you know is like it's an agony and he's like i can't believe it and like he runs into gwendolyn and gwendolyn's like you know hello and and he's like i hate you so much he doesn't say it but he's like oh my god and so basically hildred has uh set up this meeting because their fathers have got there their fathers were coming later and so Balavar and Estevan's father are there with Hildred, and they're all kind of like having a diplomatic talk. Yeah, so for tea and cakes. And this is one of the weirdest points in the book. They're trying to set like tax policy. 
of course, Esteban gets in a moment to say, like, Gwendolyn is stupid and doesn't know what's going on. Yes. And uh, Gwendolyn, like, leans over and whispers to Mon- to uh, Esteban, a monarch is a type of butterfly, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, Gwendolyn, honey. Clearly, it's done as a winter's just so much better, so we have to put down other women to show how much better winter is, which I hate. I hate it. It's like take this middle school bullshit out of my book (laughs) not Um, only that but like they try and they basically uh also nail home like oh well estevan is not only hot and mangry and angry he's also smart and understands global economics um because basically he's listening to like this diplomatic talk about like tax policy and this is what he says. He gets so mad at, like, Balavar going back and forth because apparently Balavar's trying to, like, make an uh, unequal plan that's shitty or whatever. This is... I think this should give you a very un- good idea of what Esteban's character is like. I have to set down my cup to keep myself from breaking it in half. Anger. And this is the woman he picked to rule beside me. Yes, dear. I force a smile. Fucking dimwit. Holy shit. I down the rest of my tea with a gulp, but it only makes my blood boil even hotter. I can't take this anymore. And this is what he says to the kings and queen sitting across from him. Extraction of taxes by a centralized body will allow for better funded services. Providing the state and the participation in the new network of overseas trade will bring new business to local tradesmen. Okay, so Fantasy France has like a concept of... uh global economics it's what the fuck is this story diane i don't know it's supposed to be an erotica <laughs> it's not it's so not. like this is esteban like what what sense do you get of his character from this he is filled with rage and honestly just based on this it seems like he hates women mm-hmm like really hates women it's a good thing that winter's hot because if she wasn't he'd hate her too i mean it's not even like i mean you want to say like madonna whore on some level that like oh my mother and like winter are perfect and then all other women are below trash like yeah and it's Mm. our hero ladies and gentlemen our hero so he gets mad and he storms out and uh, he's like, I have to find Winter. I have to find Winter because I'm going to go insane. And he runs into Lady Zana and he's like, where is where's Winter? And she's like, oh, she's in her thinking place. And the prince is like, oh, can, can you take me there? And Lady Zana's like, no, that's forbidden. Her thinking place is just for her. And he's like, but it's like life and death urgent. And Lady Zana's like, okay. Mm, and so they... Oh, okay. And so they go and Winter's like lying in the snow... I guess. And she's just lying in the snow and she's like, oh, woe is me. Oh, woe is me. And so Cedric and Zana and Esteban are there. Esteban spills the beans and he's like, you know, this is what's going to happen. And if we elope and because I really want want you uh, and we should really get married, which I guess is like coded speak for like, I really want to fuck you. Then like, well, the kingdoms may fall apart. And of course, like Winter's like, are you crazy? Like, of course we can't do this. You're, this is, this would literally like mean like our people would get killed. Like you're engaged. Also you're engaged. 
And he's like, no, absolutely not. My penis. <laughs> but my penis, though. And that's unfortunate, too, because like he's like, but my dick, though. And she's like, you make a valid argument. And so she's like, you, Princess Devon, are going to be a magnificent king, a king I'd be honored to stand beside. So they make like the Romeo and Juliet pack, like, yeah, hell, come hell or high water, we'll be together. And then... Us, us against the world, baby. Squawk! Squawk! <laughs> have you ever heard a hawk before? They don't squawk! <laughs> no, they, like, have this high-pitched cry. Like, scream. But, um, it's it's that white hawk with the, with the blue eyes and that fancy little birthmark tattoo. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what does it mean? What does it mean? The white hawk shows up and, um... So Winter, like, looks up and she's like, what does this all mean? Then a memory from my past hits me. My mother told me a story about a white bird with once with a scar in the shape of a snowflake. That's really fucking specific. Much like my necklace. Where did you get it? Uh, Esteban opens his mouth, but no words come out. And he's like, uh. Some woman gave it to us. And she's like, uh. We, we didn't see her face. <laughs> she goes on, she says, well... My mother said that any white creature is considered sacred. Should we read some subtext into that? <laughs> well. Um, because of the rarity of them in nature. Fair. Uh, their purpose is to give a message, a sacred message, if you will. White is the color of purity and truth. Mm -mm. You don't say. He scratches his head as if to recall a memory. Wait. His eyes light up. I've seen this bird before. In the woods by my castle. The hawk continues to stare right into our souls. Which the hawk's probably like, you're both so full of shit. Oh, wow. If this is the second time you've seen this creature, then maybe the message here is two. I don't follow, princess. Two is a feminine number. It is the number of balance and beckons us to summon our natural power of judgment to do what is best for our souls. Two is also some partnerships, connections, and communication. I think this is the author, like, making shit up as, like, I gotta get to the sex. I gotta get to the sex. Oh, oh, it is. It's, this is her way of, um, saying, see, they're destined to be together. His penis needs to go in her vagina. They are destined. It is fate. <laughs> and so then after this, uh, they have a snowball fight. And then in public... Uh, Estevan and uh, Winter start to get it on. He's starting to eat her out and is just like, oh, and of course he, he has to has to touch the boobs. Gots, gots to do that. Has to touch the boobs. Not only that, not only that. So, uh, well, first of all, they're talking about like incredibly serious like foreign policy that might end up with both like thousands of their people getting killed. Oops, let's have a snowball fight. And then like, they transition from snowball fight to, like, they get about 30 feet away behind a tree. And Esteban's just like, I'm going to pop the tits out of your dress now and we're going to have the do. So Yes. And, and there's the term bod of steel to describe Esteban. Uh... Bod of steel. <laughs> and uh, it's just like, oh, baby, I want you. Oh, baby, I want you too kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and, uh... Is that just Rocco, like, oh, baby, oh, baby. Oh, but Rocco's mom. <laughs> yes. And uh, Esteban's talking about how he has the most beautiful, kind-hearted princess in all the land beneath him. And just, ah, oh, don't make me laugh. Mm -hmm. But then, 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 suddenly, 
there's the the bird the hawk was watching and then it, it does a squonk <laughs> and mm-hmm. Esteban's like wait something's wrong and then they're attacked there's arrows and they're surrounded by guess who King Balavar and his army he's called King Douchebag <laughs> so Balavar uh basically has him surrounded this was all a trap like the whole ball was a trap Balavar is is basically like if you fight this marriage Estevan I will kill your little whore mm. uh, and so the whole yes. and then Gwendolyn and Gwendolyn's evil laugh surrounds Gwendolyn who's like or yeah. I will fuck you Winter says <laughs> or I will <laughs> yes and it's just a once again if um, if Gwendolyn has to be evil she has to be evil and horrible and dumb and ugly just like to be the get direct counter to Winter's perfection. So Balavar Esteban surrenders. Ba- yeah, Esteban surrenders. He's like, well, if they're gonna kill Winter, then you know I'll go through with this. And uh, and Winter's like, no, don't do this. So this was all like a coup, a trap uh, to take over various kingdoms, force this alliance, this marriage, which will uh, join the two kingdoms together. But here is where the story takes a very definite turn <laughs> yes uh chapter nine winter days later the dungeon harbors no light the darkness devouring my soul until nothing is left i have no desire to eat or drink my quarters smell of mold and smoke hollers and screams find their way to me and then there's a deafening silence i fear my people are dead at this point i see no reason to live my life is officially over, knowing what today is. Gwendolyn and Esteban's wedding day. Yeah, not not the, like, coup that has... Not the coup. That has subsequently caused, like, probably many, many thousands of her, peop- of her people to, like, have been killed or tortured. Uh, because, you know, that Princess Winter loves her people. But, like, no, it's it's the fact that her, her, her love boy is getting Romance. married getting hitched <laughs> yeah and then a uh, king balavar shows up to taunt her and is like pretty much like oh you're gonna be my whore now ha 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 it's like look if you want to get if you want to be free and you don't want me to kill you you're you'll you'll do the right thing and he's like unzipping his pants there's zippers in fantasy france <laughs> <laughs> ah the modern day huh. zipper so he gets his dick out, and she's like, mm, no, not gonna happen. So he slaps her, and he's like, you'll do what is asked of you, girl. And she's like, okay, that's it. So Winter snaps. I'm just gonna give a play-by-play here. She headbutts him in the crotch, says, it's Princess Winter to you, asshole. She gets her hands free, gets his sword, and is, like, standing over him yep. with the sword. And he's like, Princess, please, we can renegotiate. She's like, renegotiate this. Uh, action one-liner. And she just fucking, like, slices his whole damn head apart. Yeah, suddenly it's winter snaps and she becomes a blizzard of fury. So she just starts murdering people. She just murders people. So she's, uh, the guard, she's like, well, let me through if you know what's good for you. And the guards are like, mm, no. And so they try and kill her and she like dodges out of the way and then sets the damn room on fire and locks them in. And she, you know, is going along and a voice is like, winter. And she goes up to a dungeon door and it's Zana. 
And so uh, she puts the sword in the lock and just like jimmies it open. Yeah, she can lock pick too, guys. <laughs> she is going full rogue here. So she basically gets Zana and like rescues her. And Zana's hurt and bad. Zana has like broken ribs and can't walk and like she's in a bad place guys <laughs> she's in a really bad place and zana's just like look you can't take me with you on this like, you're gonna have to leave me somewhere because i'm gonna just slow you down which winter does pretty much she figures out where uh where estevan is going to be where the marriage is taking place and she's gonna stop that wedding guys and then out of left field <laughs> Guess what, guys? Remember that necklace? Remember that heart of the ocean snowflake necklace, guys? Guess what? Winter has magic powers. She's a magical princess. I tiptoe through the empty hallways bathed in blood, rounding a dark corridor. A blue light illuminates from my necklace. Oh, heavens! As I continue to walk further into the darkness, the brighter it shines. If I walk back, it dims. Huh? I reach a certain point in the middle of the hallway, and oddly, the necklace starts to vibrate against my chest. Yeah, she's she's got like a little video game alert, like ding 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 ding. She she's she's got like this GPS necklace, and it leads her to this wall, and the light blinks. Secret room. Secret room. Secret tunnel. Um. Well, secret tunnel. And she puts the, and the necklace like goes into the wall and like opens a door, and it's. It's a room full of beautiful statues and an armoire, which has, like, battle armor in it. It's an armor dress. <laughs> it's an armor dress. Because, you know, she's a, she's feminine, so it has to be a dress. <laughs> yeah. So she puts on the thing, and she's like, okay. And she goes back, and there's, like, a Chinese clay army sort of thing. But there's statues of just, like, pure white statues of armies, like, behind there. And she realizes... Oh, God. She realized that the statues, which are made of solid ice, are her grandparents. The Ice King and Ice Queen. That wasn't just a fairy tale. It was real. (laughs) That she gets a Fenris wolf. (laughs) Several rectangles in the wall disappear, replaced with knights dressed in white armor, and my jaw slacks as I cautiously walk over to touch the mystical creature. An enormous white wolf with blue globes and same snowflake scar over his left eye. So the wolf comes alive. She gets a magic sword. The knights come alive. And the knights come alive. Oh, there's your wolf, Diane. Oh, that is my wolf. <laughs> Esteban was just a play. Was just just a player. This is the real wolf. <laughs> this is this is the the true ending. <laughs> so what happens? How does this? climactic story end well we cut to esteban he's about to be married to ugly horrible gwendolyn but he's like there isn't a gown or enough makeup in all of france to make her attractive to me and i'm just wondering oh did they put in the to me to try and like lessen how horrible they've been to gwendolyn it's it gets worse and he's he's about to get married but then who appears but winter with her army and the slaughter begins. So, like, Winter's there, and and Esteban... So the hawk, like, distracts the crowd, and Esteban, like, makes a run for it. And his father... 
First, he pushes his father over the bridge because he hates his father. And he just like pushes his cowardly father into a frozen lake underneath it. So he he murders his father, pushes him over a bridge, throws Gwendolyn to the ground. And Hildred steps into the path with uh, Balavar's guards. And here's uh, a grand reveal. Hildred is a Balavar. was a Balavar the whole time. She and her cousin, King Balavar, now deceased, had been planning this coup for years. <laughs> this was their plan, all according to plan. <laughs> and Estevan, so Estevan does two things. One, he throws his father over the bridge. And second, he throws Gwendolyn into the guards and their swords, like, accidentally, like, kill her. And he's like, oh, oops, you killed your princess. So sorry for you. <laughs> yes, he uses her as a human shield, a defenseless person as a human shield. That's all that's all he does during the battle too because Winter kicks ass and it's like killing everybody and it's like, you know, her soldiers are and she's going toe to toe and like and finally uh Winter has Hildred on her, on the ground. Like she's about to execute her. And so Estevan turns around and I find Hildred begging on her knees. Please have mercy on your stepmother. I practically raised you. Winter twists her face into a scowl. You call tormenting a child raising? How does this end, Diane? Well, she says that uh, she's not going to kill Hildred because that would be stooping to Hildred's level and she will never do that because that's not the type of queen that she wants to be. So she's not going to do the dirty work and execute her stepmother. But she doesn't, that doesn't mean that Hildred isn't going to die because she's like, I said, I'll show you mercy, but my dog won't. And she uh, rips the crown off of Hildred's head, kicks her to the ground and then has that giant white wolf eat Hildred. The end. <laughs> Esteban says, I watch in horror as the wolf devours her whole. Bones crack and pop as blood gushes from her mouth. No more spiders, Winter says. Gravity suddenly pulls Winter to her knees. She's like, I'm not going to go and do the dirty work. I'm not going to stain my blood. So I'm just going to order you to be eaten by a dog, which is arguably far more vicious. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're snapping back to, like, Jezebel here. So Winter and Estevan get their happily ever after, and everything's happy, except lots of people died, and there's, like, a giant power shift now that, like, multiple three different heads of kingdoms have been murdered and the heir to one of them and the heir to one of them so balavar is just like yeah. zana dies yeah. zana dies and i think it's because there can only be one good woman and it has to be winter and so we have zana joins the trio of saintly uh too good for this world itis women so all of this happens all of this happens and then we get the sex scene. <laughs> yes. It has taken The absolute this long. least aroused you could be. It's like a murder, the one like nice person dead, like everyone's dead, and then after they marry, they fuck. And that's why I think this is a Protestant Christian, in particular evangelical story. <laughs> and they get like 
it's super boring missionary sex like on top of all that so like all of this happens she gives him a blowjob she gives him a blowjob and he almost comes like instantly so uh, um and then like and then he kind of fingers her a little bit and then it's missionary sex it's missionary sex and he finishes and he says she bucks against my finger sliding oh this is before he she bucks against my finger sliding in and out and her excitement has every neuron in my brain short circuiting so fantasy france again they have they have an understanding of not only cellular biology but also like how the composition of the brain which is very surprising because that's super modern <laughs> well i mean there's there's also the fact of like this there's magic in this fucking world so i don't anything is possible at this point so finally we get to the end and you know they come and they're and amazingly winter comes too she didn't get much stimulation guys so Mm -mm. and he and so they're lying in bed together and he's kind of taking it for granted he's like ah my princess my queen i am the king and uh she enfolds me into her arms Oh, well, he says, I could stay like this forever. She enfolds me into her arms. Me too. To my surprise, she flips me over. Her smirk, wickedly delicious. My turn to own you. And that's the end of the story. Yes. And then Winter's King, an erotic fairy tale short, part two, coming 2018. Look, guys, I'm not going to be reading a second one, so. Nope. Nope. <laughs> but that that's how it ends. We get the hint of the thing that I was hoping would be in this one, which mm-hmm. means that it's kind of like a, why? Why would I? Mm-hmm. It took you this long to get to that little bit that I was hoping for. And it, like, the sex wasn't even good. Yeah, it was disappointing. Like, it's unfair to say the sex wasn't good. The sex is basically generic. Like, it's yeah. sex you'd get in any uh, erotica, basically. So... Diane, we have spent a very long time talking about, like, the plot. So let's, you know, what would you do to improve the story? Because mm. we had some problems with it. Yeah, it's a, I wouldn't recommend it. There are so many other things that you could read. There are so many other fairy tales-themed things, romances, uh, like, series that are more erotic and deliver on their things and do fairy tale things well like fairy tale motifs and everything so much better so you would not recommend it i also wouldn't recommend it i wouldn't recommend it on the on the basis of like this is not an erotica uh if you're trying to buy an erotica this does not deliver on that like there were two itty bitty like two three page four page sex scenes uh in 50 pages you know it was pretty generic sex and the rest is like very unarousing material there were a handful of things that i think could have been done better that i would like to have seen for instance like this story should have either been half as long or twice as long uh it should have either been more to the formula of building tension to get to the sex scene at the end of that sort of erotica or it should have been long enough to actually flesh out the very interesting world building and the very interesting uh dynamics and more of the tension uh i found the ending with the you know the violence very concerning and it didn't fit into the story there were a lot of tonal shifts that were very jarring it seemed as though like tension would be built and then it would be instantly dissipated like over and over and over again so there was never one very good building of tension across the story and 
I think it was just definitely a either make it super short and just have it be the ball and maybe have like I don't know kink be uh I don't know not voyeurism but um public sex or just like go exhibitionism exhibitionism or um sneaking off somewhere I don't know something like that make it really short and sweet and to the point or make it really long yeah like this is a story um with erotic sections rather than an erotica and like I don't want to just like shit on it I want to say like there are a lot of really interesting and very good and um valuable ideas in this uh like the world building is very interesting the idea of the coup you know there's a lot of creativity at play um you know that which isn't borrowed from like you know winter's winter war or whatever it is there's you know there are a lot of interesting characters the protagonist accepted yes the protagonists are terrible the writing is actually really good i the only problem that i had mainly was that like it didn't make any sense but like there's a lot here that i wish would be you know reconstructed better but like there's a lot of good stuff here that i wish would be if it was revised well and like expanded i think that it could be really good Really good as a story, not necessarily as an erotica, unless it is radically revised. Yes. Once again, I think that someone from the outside slipped this into our stacks. (laughs) I would not be surprised. So that was Winter's Kiss, an erotic fairy tale short book one by J.P. Uval. And we can get that on, I think it's on Kindle Unlimited at the Amazon Marketplace, or you can buy it for... I think it was uh, $2.99, but don't hold me on that. If it's $2.99 for, like, the 50 or so pages we got, like, that's not a bad deal, frankly. Uh, it was it was pretty dense. I mean, a lot of nothing happened, but... Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, Jared, if uh, people want to find you, where can they find you? Well, if people want to tweet at me uh, their least favorite description uh that they have come across in erotica they can tweet me at uh hattie palms h-a-t-t-i-e-p-a-l-m-s uh how about you diane where can people find you i also have a twitter handle now it's at contrapary chat so c-o-n-t-r-e-p-a-r-r-y-c-h-a-t and please tell me what your horrible erotica phrase or word would be. What pulls you out? You know what? I'll even expand and say romance phrases mm-hmm. as well. Because you know what? There are erotic moments in romances. Mm-hmm. And I am sure there are some amazing turns of phrase. Oh, I have no doubt. Well, what is, you know, what is your erotica pet peeve? Now, if you want to find more about the show, uh, if you want to contact the show or uh, get in touch or follow, you can find the show on Twitter at Red Light Library, or you could find us, uh, you could visit us on our website, redlightlibrarypodcast.wordpress.com for show notes and episodes and content warnings and, uh, and you know, discussion, all kinds of things. Also, we have a Discord now. Um, and we would love to have you, uh, dear patrons, you know, join and talk about all the weird and wacky titles that we shelve. Uh, and you can find, uh, links to that on the Twitter most likely. And, 
various places on the website. Well, thank you, uh, dear patron, for listening. And thank you, Diane, for... It's always a pleasure. Discovering this errant book. I think that uh, I don't want to throw it in the garbage. It it didn't insult me enough to do that, but it's definitely being shelved in our not erotica, but listed as erotica section. Mm -hmm. Right near the door. Yes, it could go right next to that uh, lovely murder mystery that Gavin and Jackie told us all about oh yeah man that section's getting full we're gonna have to do some this does not bring me joy jared (laughs) (laughs) a christmas miracle well anyway dear patron see you next tuesday goodbye (laughs) oh gosh bye till next winter (laughs) 